The first reading is taken from John, chapter 20, reading from verses 19 to 31. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, called Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. The second reading may be found on page 1000. 156 of the Church Bible, or you can follow on the screens. It's taken from Corinthians, chapter 15, verses 35 to 49. The resurrection body. But someone may ask, how are the dead raised? With what kind of body will they come? How foolish! What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. When you sow, you do not plant the body that will be, but just a seed, perhaps of wheat or of something else. But God gives it a body as he has determined. And to each kind of seed, he gives its own body. All flesh is not the same. Men have one kind of flesh, Animals have another, birds another, and fish another. There are also heavenly bodies, and there are earthly bodies. But the splendor of the heavenly bodies is one kind, and the splendor of the earthly bodies is another. The sun has one kind of splendor, the moon another, and the stars another. And star differs from star in splendor. 
so will it be with the resurrection of the dead. The body that is sown is perishable. It is raised imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, a life-giving spirit. The spiritual did not come first, but the natural, and after that the spiritual. The first man was of the dust of the earth, the second man from heaven. As was the earthly man, so are those who are of the earth, and as is from second sorry, and as is the man from heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so shall we bear the likeness of the man from heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, risen from the dead. Speak to us of him this morning. Amen. Three weeks ago was Easter Day. We celebrated the extraordinary, world-changing moment when Christ broke the power of death and rose from the tomb. Two weeks ago, we began a series on 1 Corinthians 15. Perhaps you'd like to turn to uh, page 1155 and just keep it open so that you can follow along. It's quite a complex argument. It's good for you to be able to see it and have it in front of you. So on page 1155, uh, The first section, uh, verses 1 to 12, Paul reminds us that this resurrection moment is the core of our gospel. It's God's good news to us. Christ's resurrection delivers to us everything that Christ achieved for us on the cross, offering us forgiveness for the past, a life of joy and purpose today, and hope for tomorrow, eternal life with God. And then the bottom of the page, and moving over to the next page, verses 13 down to page 34, sorry, verse 34, Paul is explaining how critical Christ's resurrection is for our resurrection. It's the fundamental fact of Christianity, yes. His resurrection demonstrates, makes possible, even demands our resurrection, And we can't accept Christ's resurrection and then dismiss the possibility of our own. So Christ's resurrection is what creates the basis for our own resurrection. We also heard in the second half of that section that our resurrection is going to be a two-stage process. Not at all like the popular notions 
of uh, dying and then your spirit wafting up, uh, clothed in white like angels, smiling down on us, or like um, impersonal stars shining in the sky. But rather, the friends of Jesus being gathered into his presence, there to watch and wait for the full ingathering of his friends. And then all together, receiving together, at last, our new resurrection body. As Paul and Jesus both said, it will be a bit like waking from a long sleep, this time after death and before our resurrection uh, in our new resurrection body, being in a long and pleasant sleep and waking up to see the sun shining through the windows full on our face and know that a new day has dawned with so much exciting to do together. The writer of Hebrews says, actually, it's more like the last day of the Olympics. So if you can imagine, many contestants have run their races, and now they've joined with the spectators, with the crowd in the grandstands, and they too are watching on as the final contestants run their races. (coughs) And then, once the last event has been held, the last contestant has finished, then the party can really get going. Well, today, verse 35... Paul focuses on our resurrection body. What will it be like? What will it look like? What will it feel like? Someone may ask, verse 35, how are the dead raised? What will their body be like? With what kind of body will they come? In one sense, says Paul, verse 36, that is a really foolish question. But in other senses, as he goes on to explain, it's not quite so foolish. It's foolish, verse 36, because our bodies will be different. We just don't know. We couldn't possibly tell in what kind of way they will be different, what kind of body God will give us. It's beyond our imagining. Will I be more handsome? Beyond imagination. Will I be less tired? Easier to imagine. Will I be able to play the piano fantastically? These are the wrong kinds of questions to be asking because our body will be different. Here are two fetuses in the womb, back to back. They're not very friendly, are they? Not very sociable. But these two are having a chat. They're trying to imagine what the next world will be like. They want to know how much of a struggle passing through from this world to the next world is going to be. They want to know whether they will have the same kind of body as they have now. Ridiculous. Partly because they have no choice choice over it. Partly because they can't talk to each other. But mainly because even if they could talk to each other, they can have no conception at this point what their bodies will become capable of when when they come into all their fullness. So these hands, which at the moment are only useful for sucking on, how can they imagine that one day, with those hands, they could play a piano sonata, write epic poetry, fire machine guns, light a forest fire, 
perform life-saving surgery. They could have no conception of the capacity of the body that they, have, that they are sowing now into the future, what it will become like. And for us too, we can't possibly tell what our stunted and experienced capacities for loving and for praying and for worshipping will become, what they will be able to achieve one day. Nor indeed any other capacity that we haven't even begun to conceive of yet. One day we will know and we'll realize how different and how much greater have become our capacities than they were once long ago as they are now. On the other hand, there are a few things that we can say about our resurrection body. And they are things that we know because, firstly, they will be in the likeness of Christ. So verse 49. Just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, so we shall bear the likeness of the man from heaven. Christ's resurrection is critical for us. It shows that he's Lord over death, yes. It demonstrates he's alive forever, yes. Alive now, yes. It means that he can speak of life beyond death with authority and with confidence because he alone has experienced life beyond death, yes. It means that he can offer that life to us, yes. But it also shows us something of the body that we will receive. So let's look at verse 44. Because from that we know that the body that we will have will be body, primarily. It will be physical, not conceptual, not unreal, not unconnected to the wonderful things that we can do now. Jesus, in his resurrection, went to great pains, as it were, to show his disciples that he had a real physical resurrection body. He wasn't just a ghost kind of drifting through doorways and going woo to people. He was a real person who ate food with them, who showed them his hands, the wounds in his hands that were real wounds, although different somehow. He was there. He spoke to them. They heard him speaking. He got, he created a fire and he cooked fish and they ate the fish that he had cooked. He had a real physical body. And that real physical body allowed him to go on doing the kinds of things that he had been doing when he was fully human before he died. It allowed him to serve. It allowed him to teach, to preach. It allowed him to have relationship The wonderful things that our bodies currently make possible, enjoyment, work, relationship, new life, all of these things, will become more possible, not less, in the future. Our current body is like a seed, Jesus says, and Paul says. Like a seed, not the same as, but like, not unrelated with the ear of wheat, that will come from that seed. Or an apple pip out of an apple, which you could sow 
and might become a wonderful apple tree, hopefully delicious russet apples on it growing in my garden, perhaps one day. Or like a little acorn growing into, not unrelated to, the huge oak tree that it can become. Different, but connected. So this is a physical body that Jesus had, but it was also a spiritual body. Jesus' resurrection body was more than just human physical. The grave clothes couldn't hold him. The stone in front of the tomb couldn't keep him in. The locked doors couldn't keep him out. He went where he chose. He spoke with whom he chose. He arrived. He disappeared. He moved from heaven to earthly realms with ease, with freedom, as he saw fit. His, his body bore the marks of the crucifixion. They were wounds, but they had no medical impact on him. The same, but different. On Good Friday, Jesus' body was natural. On Easter Sunday, it was spiritual. On Friday, it was stripped, humiliated. On Sunday, it was clothed with honor. On Friday, it was mangled by spear and nail, racked with pain. On Sunday, it was whole, pulsating with glory. On Friday, it was too weak to save himself. On Sunday, it was powerful enough to save the world. On Friday, it was all too mortal. On Sunday, it was immortal. On Friday, it was dying. On Sunday, it was life-giving. And so we know that our resurrection body will be filled with splendor, verse 40. As Paul says, our current earthly bodies do have their own kind of splendor. But this splendor, this resurrection splendor, will be of a completely different sort. The Hebrew and Greek words for glory used of God um, have, the, have the meaning, have the power of, of the, the weight, the power and weight of the presence, the impact of God's presence. And we too have an impact of our presence in this world. So what are our splendors now? What are our glories? It's making a God-shaped difference to the world. Creativity, imagination, beauty, change, care, healing, blessing, giving, serving, creating life. These are the glories that we have as people. These are our splendors. And our heavenly splendors will be like them, only more so, only greater. And so we know finally that our resurrection will be sown. Our resurrection bodies will be sown, verse 37. Our chief splendor is freedom of choice. We have the freedom that God has given us to choose in love and 
to hold firm in faithfulness. We can choose. We are not compelled. We have the freedom, the power to choose. Well, we can sow the wind and reap the whirlwind, or we can sow in loving sacrifice and reap glorious joy. Christ chose to die for us. He chose to to become like a little seed planted in the ground, dying, corrupting, becoming nothing, disintegrating, so that God in him could reap the glory of eternal life, of joy and resurrection and of um, freedom and of um, recreation for his world. Christ sowed in obedience and reaps in glory. What we sow now is our character, our relationships. We sow our sacrifices, our witness to God. And above all, we sow our worship, our desire and determination to be in communion with God through Jesus. Our resurrection body will be the fruit of all of this. What we sow, the Father will reap harvest for us. We all want to live forever, don't we? Let's get down to brass tacks. We all want to live forever. We do, don't we? But how if ever, forever, was exactly the same as this world? You know, some of those horror movies where the person just grows older and older and older and older and more crumbly and more corrupt and more... That would be terrible, wouldn't it? How if the continuity of what we've chosen to be carries on forever? I took a tragic funeral once upon a time, long time ago, for a man who, it turned out, was a millionaire. He had everything. And in his house, he had nothing. He had no next of kin. He had no food in his house. He had just had one tin of tuna fish in a cupboard in his kitchen. That was it. He had no friends. Nobody even noticed that he'd gone for three days, just his television playing, keeping him company. How if his eternal life was a continuation of that. What would that be like? It would be hell. Eternal loneliness in his self-centered isolation. The hope that we have in the resurrection is not just a kind of airy-fairy, vague, insubstantial hope, aspiration, that everything will turn out okay and we'll all meet together together somehow, somewhere, and it'll all be much like it is now. For many people, that wouldn't be hope. That would be terror. That would be despair for their life as it is right now to continue forever like this. It would be terrible. 
That is not the hope that we have. The hope that we have is found in Christ, in his resurrection body, is a hope of joy, of relationship, of beauty, and of glory. But it is only found in Jesus, in his resurrection. And it's sown in our choice for him. In today's, resur- in today's resurrection story that we had from John, Thomas, one of the disciples, wasn't there when it had first happened, when all the rest met Jesus for the first time. And in this story, he finally meets Jesus. He sees Jesus in his resurrection body. He's invited to touch it, to put his fingers into the wounds of Jesus' hands and his hand into Jesus' side where the spear has cut his body. Wounds which are both wounds and not wounds. But Thomas doesn't need to do that. He sees that Jesus' resurrection body is both the fulfillment of everything they had hoped for and is gloriously and impossibly different and new. And he does the only thing, makes the only response he can think of to do, which is to fall down on his physical knees and to give worship, my Lord and my God. And Jesus says to him, well, yes, you've seen and say you believe. You've seen my resurrection body and say you believe in my resurrection life. Blessed are these who see, who have not seen, and yet will believe. What we sow in our choice for Jesus is reaped in the resurrection body that we will receive from him through faith in him. If you haven't yet made a choice for Jesus, please, please don't delay it. In case you find that, like the nomination form, suddenly it's too late and it should have been a day and a half ago and now it's tomorrow. If you need to know more about this choice that you would be making, please do come along to our Alpha course. It's just started, but there's still time to join it. We're meeting uh, Tuesday evening here in church, 7 o'clock. Please come along, find out more. Or you could pray now the prayer of Thomas. Very simple prayer. My Lord and my God. Or you could pray with somebody else after the service. They would love to pray with you. If you need somebody else to encourage you in that prayer and talk through it with you. If you have chosen already, if you have sown already your choice in Jesus, go on sowing in your capacity, your love, your worship, your relationships, your joy. Go on sowing in your sacrifice. Go on sowing in your witness to Jesus. And all of these things you will reap in glory. Build with silver and gold not with hay and straw, which will go through fire and be burnt up. Invest 
in Jesus' future, with all that you have, the best quality of everything that you can give. And Jesus will receive it and hand back to you in love and blessing. Just as we have borne the likeness of the earthly man, Jesus who came from heaven, so shall we bear the likeness of that man from heaven. Jesus our Savior. Amen. Shall we pray? Lord Jesus, somehow we don't talk about this very much. But this is glorious. This is where we're going. This is who we will be. It somehow it seems too hard to believe or imagine that all that is great and glorious and good in our life now, in our physical life, you will make greater and more glorious and more good and give back to us. Help us to sow now in our human lives our love and trust in you that we may reap a harvest eternally of joy in your presence. Use us now to change our world that with you we may take part in your changed, recreated, eternal world of goodness and love and joy. Amen.